Welcome to Tata Trust's Kalka Classroom, a podcast series that brings you India's educational context, concerns, and the initiatives envisioned towards a future-ready India. In this episode, we're looking at foundational literacy and particularly the value of integrating regional languages in early learning and children's literature as a key component. Jyotsna from the education team at Tata Trusts will be talking to Amrita Parvardhan, head of education at Tata Trusts, and Shailaja Menon, associate professor at Azim Premji University. Amrita, let's start with the basics. What is foundational learning? So foundational learning means skills that all children need to master in early years of schooling pertaining to language, literacy and numeracy. This needs to be achieved in early primary grades, say by grade 2 or 3. So foundational skills include conceptual and procedural skills. To just give an example, decoding of letters into sounds is a procedural skill. while drawing inference and being able to understand central theme of a story that you read is a conceptual skill and both are equally important these are foundational skills because much of the learning in later years in the school depends on these competencies foundational literacy is an important part of foundational learning this pertains to our ability to read with understanding and write to express oneself thank you amrita Shailaja my next question is for you there are over 19500 mother tongues spoken in india with over 96% of the population speaking one of the 22 scheduled languages still the primary instructive language for young children is either english or hindi in most educational institutions why is that so that's because languages are linked to power languages do not exist in a vacuum they exist in society and there are social structures and power dynamics that are operative in society uh, english and hindi are the most dominant languages in our country in terms of power visibility and the resources allocated to them now you know when we use languages more they get richer they get more elaborated because we build more content in them we build more knowledge in them we build richer set of vocabulary in them there are more users using it so the functional spaces for these languages gets elaborated on the other hand the languages that get marginalized get poorer because there is less functional usage of these uh, languages so it's a situation of the rich get richer while the poor get poorer now the noted uh, linguist ajit mohanty talks about what is called a double divide situation in in india at the top of the pyramid we have languages like english and hindi which enjoy power visibility stature etc Uh, and then in the middle of the pyramid we have uh, the regional languages which are also still quite dominant compared to the bottom of the pyramid where we have the indigenous tribal minority minoritized languages and it is this last segment that is in a special danger in our country of getting pushed completely out of the curriculum and out of children's lives now of the 19500 mother tongues that you spoke about about 121 of them have more than 10000 speakers 
but only between uh, 26 to 32 languages are represented in schools as media of instruction. So you can imagine the sheer number of mother tongues that are getting progressively pushed out of the school curriculum and the realms of social relevance. So children who don't speak English, Hindi or even a regional language face this double divide of first trying to navigate the regional language and then trying to navigate languages like English or Hindi. Now, you might think that this is a very insignificant proportion of our population, but the 2011 census puts the tribal population at about 9.6% of our population. So this is not a terribly insignificant number of uh, speakers and children in school that we are talking about. Thank you, Shailaja. I'd like to further understand what are the hurdles being faced in children's literacy development uh, in India? Is it because the instructional languages and practices aren't localized enough? Uh, that's an interesting question. I mean, the earlier question you asked me about whether the languages themselves, is, is it because of the marginalization of languages? And I would say that that is one very, very important reason for children's uh, failure at school, because when they come to school, they are speaking a particular language and then they're taught a rather different language at school. And this creates a certain disjuncture. And that disjuncture can create both uh, difficulties with understanding as well as emotional, social uh, difficulties in terms of whether, you know, feeling like they cannot cope or feeling like they don't belong. So that's one set of issues that we have been talking about. So a few years ago, my colleagues and I conducted a longitudinal study called the Literacy Research in Indian Languages, which we fondly call the Little study. Uh, and we sort of identified several hurdles that young children, even those who speak the same languages as the ones taught in school, they face in terms of foundational literacy learning. So unsurprisingly, meaning making is not focused on in the early curriculum. So children spend months and months and months learning, you know, isolated aksharas, tracing these aksharas, putting the aksharas together to form small words, then longer words, then small sentences, then longer sentences, then small passages and longer passages. And now at none of these points is there much effort made to make this seem like a meaningful investment for a young child to make in terms of their time and energy. I mean, why would a young child want to invest this kind of time if it didn't seem relevant or interesting or meaningful to them? So th there is this problem of relevance that we have in our classrooms. But so much of time is being spent on teaching children Akshara knowledge, you would think that we are doing a rather good job with it. But it turns out that we are not. Despite spending a lot of time on teaching the script, very surprisingly, children are not learning the script. And perhaps one of the reasons for this is that people have not in our country given serious attention to effective methods of even teaching the script, even if that be one of your major goals. How do you teach script effectively? And for that, we need to understand how the scripts of Indian languages, how they work. For example, the script of English, which is rather different, how that works and how children need to be taught each of these. We have not given enough thought to uh, effective ways of even teaching the script, which forms the bulk of our primary curriculum. But uh, leave that aside. It is not just teaching the script that matters. We would like to teach higher order comprehension. We would like to teach children to write in a wide variety of genres. So the curriculum itself, you know, we would like to teach children to 
understand literature to relate to it to relate to the beauty of language these are broader goals and aims of language and literacy learning all these needless to say are completely disregarded and you would think that if you brought in things like beauty etc uh, beautiful literature and ask children to relate to it you would think that you would get a more relevant engaging curriculum so that is one set of issues but we equally found that teachers when we spoke to them when we observed the teachers teachers also say that they are very very poorly prepared to teach uh, language and literacy so uh, they are taught a lot of general classroom management and uh, all those kinds of things but they are not taught how to teach children what to teach how to teach and what to do when children experience difficulties as children will Uh, from time to time so how to problem solve difficulties how to imagine the early language and literacy classroom this is something that teachers are just not being prepared to do whether pre service or in service and a third set of issues is also you know even when we try to reform our curricula and we have activity based child friendly curricula there's a lot of activities introduced but when you analyze these activities it is still not focusing on some of these other goals and aims of language language learning that i've just talked about for example linking children with literature higher order comprehension etc so the curricula teacher preparation pedagogy all of these need to be reformed uh, substantially thank you shailaja for unpacking that for us um amrita may i ask you what are some of the suitable ways to strengthen the foundation for reading and writing in our schools Can you share three most important steps to help improve foundational learning of children? Absolutely. So we actually need reform and steps at many many levels. But to again focus on a few critical aspects, uh, in early primary grades, we really need to allocate sufficient time to develop children's language skills and particularly their oral skills. oral language uh, skills because that, that really is the foundation for any subsequent learning of the script also using child's mastery over their own mother tongue can become a very very important tool so once mother tongue is used as an instructional language in the classroom the understanding of children their engagement really increases many fold it's also important to have more focused investment in training teachers and expanding their knowledge beliefs and practices on early literacy so that they are better equipped to teach and support children in building their vocabulary reading as well as writing and expression at the heart of all this should be that children are given ample opportunities to build meaning from written language lastly uh, the right teaching learning resources are of utmost importance using variety of engaging reading material that builds better thinking skills while reading for meaning and writing for expression needs to be the central literacy strategy in our primary grades shelaja while children are struggling to acquire foundational skills in regional language educational policies on the other hand recommend instructions in their mother tongue whereas there is this popular demand for english medium schools from an early age So what is the best course of action with regard to these conflicting approaches based on the practicalities of what is really needed to best serve children at a local level 
I can see that this can be very confusing for many people because parents uh, aspire for English medium education while all the policies seem to be favoring mother tongue. So why this disconnect? One of the reasons is that, you know, people are trying to solve very different kinds of problems. So the policymakers, the educators are referring to a very large body of evidence that has accumulated across the globe, across many decades that show that children learn best when taught in a language that they understand. So it is far better to teach them in their mother tongue because all children come to school, most children come to school understanding and speaking their mother tongue rather well. So why not use a familiar language to teach them? That is one of the very primary concerns of educators. It makes the child comfortable both cognitively as well as socio-emotionally. So both to understand as well as in terms of feeling good the mother tongue helps the child connect with the curriculum and uh, find their place within it. We also, you know, in education, we also have another kind of goal. It's not just what is good for the individual child, but what is good for society at large, because schools are linked to society. And there are certain larger goals we have. For example, we like the fact that we are a multilingual society, multicultural society. We wish to preserve that. And we cannot preserve culture without preserving languages because language, culture, knowledge are all linked together because languages are not just words spoken between people. When we speak a language, we are referring to an entire body of culture, entire body of knowledge that people bring, particular ways of experiencing the world, particular ways of expressing ourselves in the world. All of this as a society we value and we wish to uh, maintain. And one of the primary ways we can maintain this is by making sure that our children maintain our languages. So both when we think in terms of the good of the individual child, as well as when we think about classroom processes like teaching and learning, as well as when we think about larger societal goals, it makes it seem as though the mother tongue is the best medium of education. At the same time, when you set aside th these concerns, there are other equally pressing concerns. So for parents, the most pressing concern is economic and social mobility. And we all know that all languages are not equal. Some languages are vastly more powerful than other languages. And we cannot pretend or say that, you know, uh, if your child speaks the mother tongue, it's just as good as speaking English because in today's economies, in today's society, certain languages definitely carry more power and prestige than do others. And parents see right through this. So they, they you know, sort of call out educators and say, hey, you know, you are educating your own children in English medium schools and you want to educate our children in mother tongues. And what exactly are you trying to do here? Are your motives as pure as you claim that they are? And we want our children to have access to the language that your children have access to. So please don't deny us uh, access to English. So these are both, you know, very, very rational and coherent sets of arguments on both ends. So one of the ways that uh, we could sort of try to address these conflicting needs is by providing what we call mother tongue based multilingual education. Basically, what we are saying is that we don't need to restrict the child to just the mother tongue. From a very early age, children can be exposed to multiple languages. And while the mother tongue will be the primary language for facilitating transaction around content, 
knowledge, ideas, comfort, etc. At the same time, children will learn other more powerful language. So, for example, if they they speak a tribal language, they can also be taught the regional language. They can be taught English or Hindi, depending on what the local you know needs are. A choice of languages could be offered such that children are. given access to languages like english even while you know we take care of their learning and socio emotional well being by uh, uh, teaching them largely in the mother tongue so mother tongue based multilingual education appears to be a reasonable way to move forward amrita what role does children's literature and libraries play in building foundational literacy Can you share some of Tata Trust's experience with designing and implementing these interventions? Actually, we cannot really overemphasize the role of literature and libraries in language classrooms. When we further unpack this, the aims of foundational literacy are closely linked with the aims of education. A Tata Trust believes that education needs to equip children to become independent learners with critical thinking skills for active citizenship, which builds vibrant democracy. Literacy instruction that is aligned to this vision needs to provide ample access to curated reading material to children in local languages. Active use of children's literature in classrooms will motivate children to want to learn to read and write. Books and libraries. also support teachers in providing opportunities to children to develop their abilities in thinking expression and empathy so libraries and books are a great resource also for teachers vibrant schools and classroom uh, libraries require free access to carefully selected collection of story books for children and teachers in variety of genres also child will be able to learn better and engage with books if the if a trained teacher is able to bring stories to life and create activities around books as well so that is also a very very critical aspect the tata trust over the years has helped set up almost 4000 libraries in eight different states and based on that ground level experience in some of the most rural remote districts really gives us a lot of confidence that libraries can play a very very critical role in building literacy skills thinking skills as well as social emotional skills in children shelaja in 2020 the national education policy was released where in july this year a program was launched called nipun bharat which aims to achieve universal foundational literacy and numeracy skills by grade 3 for all children by 2026 to 27 what does this mean exactly and how will this be achievable uh so the nep 2020 brings a very welcome focus to foundational literacy which has really not been emphasized in the previous national education policies that we have had uh, so it is a much needed initiative especially when it is located within the framework of mother tongue based multilingual education which is also another promise of nep 2020 it does promise that children will learn in their own mother tongues so this is a very welcome initiative to combine mother tongue based approaches that prioritize foundational literacy and nipun bharat program tries to operationalize these aims and goals of the nep in terms of providing guidance on how we can go about doing this 
And broadly speaking, the Nipun Bharat uh, program locates language and literacy within what might be called a comprehensive literacy framework. So let me just explain what that means. Uh, it sort of makes teachers, policymakers, curriculum developers, teacher educators all understand the fact that teaching children to read and write is a complex set of tasks. So learning to read and write is not just learning the aksharas. It's about learning many, many different aspects of language. For example, oral language development, uh, for example, learning the script, building fluency, uh, learning how to write, compose different kinds of pieces of writing, uh, learning to appreciate literature. So there are many, many different aspects and we need to keep multiple balls up in the air. So teaching children to read and write is not just about asking the child to bring a slate and taking a piece of chalk and teaching them the akshara. So Nipun Bharat program sort of demystifies this and lays out which are the different aspects of language and literacy that we need to focus on in the early years and what kind of goals we would expect children to accomplish, say, by the end of first grade, what would you expect children to do by the end of second grade and by the end of third grade. So in that sense, it sort of tries to build a sense of what it means to teach language and literacy and how we can go about it. And to that extent, I think it has done a very nice job. And I really want to appreciate this focus that has been brought to this much needed area. At the same time, I also feel that the Nipun Bharat program oversteps a little bit in terms of speaking to aspects that it really doesn't have data on in the Indian context. So, for example, it prioritizes children reading at a particular pace. By the end of grade one, they should be able to read 20 to 30 words per minute. By the end of grade two, 30 to 45. And by the end of grade three, 45 to 60 minutes. Now, where did they get this information from? In the Western countries where such fluency norms have been established, they have large data sets collected over many years establishing what children can do in the languages for which these norms have been developed. I am unaware of this kind of database in Indian context in the multiple languages that we have here. So we definitely don't have the data on how fast children should be reading in different languages. And there are two problems with this. One is that, you know, the pace of reading can vary by the language spoken because some languages have longer words and therefore children may have a slower pace of reading and we have no data whatsoever that establishes where these norms should be. That is the first problem. But there's another deeper problem which is that we are just coming out of this thing of rote, memorizing, focusing on aksharas, etc. Do we want to give teachers another very sort of low-hanging, easy target? Oh, get the children to read so many words per minute and they'll be great readers. Do we want to dangle this kind of a low-hanging fruit uh, for teacher educators, for curriculum developers, for teachers? Or do we want to emphasize things that we have not habitually been doing? For example, connecting children with literature. For example, teaching complex and complicated and interesting ways of writing. For example, learning to make meaning. It is not that fluency is not important. Fluency is important. But should we be dangling low-hanging fruit is the question that I'm left with. Should we not be hitting at the more complex aspects? Amrita, this brings us to our last question for the podcast. In what ways does Tata Trust's Kalka classroom nurture the future readiness of children, teachers and schools in India? 
So when we talk about future readiness, we often think about technology and online learning, especially in you know today's day and time. While technology can certainly be a tool for teaching learning, future readiness is really about ability to learn, to adapt, to think, to innovate, and to do so while taking care of the sustainability of people and the planet. So for achieving this, we really need to invest in the teacher and people. So Tata Trust's work in education has focused on addressing issues of quality and equity, especially for children from disadvantaged backgrounds. The focus has been twofold for us. One is to build foundational skills in early grades and also build 21st century skills through the use of libraries, laboratories and technology. This is also very relevant in the context of national education policy that has been released recently. All the work that the Tata Trust does in education is aimed to strengthen learning environment in schools and communities and building professional capacity of teachers to support children's learning. So to instill future readiness in children, there is a need to acquire skills for learning as well as for unlearning, caring for others along with honing reasoning and independent thinking. All this will help us nurture active citizenship for vibrant democracy. This is future readiness for us. Thank you, Amrita and Shailaja, for sharing your insights. For more information about Tata Trust's Kalka Classroom, please visit tatatrusts.org.